Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. BlessYourBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and with me, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going tonight? Uh, I'm I'm feeling a little sad. I'm feeling like like the moment where you watch your ex get together with like the perfect person after being a real scumbag with you, because <laughs> um, Nick Castellanos has hit in all eight of his games with the Cubs and just hit a two run home run. Oh, uh, geez, he's got two homers now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it hurts. It hurts a little bit because we got to watch him kind of like you know phone it in for the last couple of months and then suddenly you get traded to a contention team and he's got nine extra base hits in his first eight games with the Cubs and his like OPS with the team is over a thousand and I'm you know I'm okay I'm, I'm not crying it's fine yeah it's just that yeah like I think he's had like four doubles um it's they're all ex- they're all excited about him this is the kind of thing I think you and I care about and some fans don't but some fans yeah. do which is that like what you know I mean it's a little bit of a always a tiger situation like not yeah. for just like randos who showed up for like one season or whatever but you know nick castellanos is you know about as long tenure to tiger as there is outside of cabrera and uh you want to see him do well but it also is a little bit a little bit painful um but it's also hilarious i think just to see just to kind of get a look at like a player you've watched and argued about for you know six years like suddenly through the eyes of another fan base that like kind of needed a player like that yeah and how much they're, they're, they're embracing him <laughs> I really love that they call him Big Nick Energy, um, which gives me a chuckle every time I see that. Yeah, the um, Big yeah. Nick Energy t-shirts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny to me, though, because initially I think a lot of people are like, no, his, his, you know, his defense is terrible. And I'm like, yes, his defense is terrible, but you're playing him home field in a tiny stadium compared to where he worked. He was. He's going to have a great time. you got Kyle and, Schwarber out yeah, there already. You're not going to exactly. notice. So I'm like, you guys, and he's been making some improvements defensively. So like I had a chuckle and I'm like, and now it is, it's, he's been there for less than two weeks and everybody's in love with him. And I'm like, I knew it. I knew it was going to happen, man. Yeah. Like if there is such a thing, like Cubs ladies, Twitter seems like really enamored and like the no shirt and no undershirt. Oh, his unbuttoned shirt. Yeah, over everywhere. That's very popular. Yeah. That's I'm sweeping like, the North side of Chicago. Well, apparently, it's as a fashion funny because I, I, I wrote about him for um, Bleed Cubby Blue because um, they they asked him like well they're like you know this guy can you write him a little write a little something about him and I'm like yeah just be prepared for that unbuttoned jersey and big old bubble gum yeah and sure enough everything is going exactly as I said it would yep slightly like untutored um, philosophical statements uh, lots of line drives um, the occasional like bumbling oafish play in right field yeah. mixed with the occasional like like shockingly good play in right field occasionally <laughs> yeah oh that's your guy that's your boy over there enjoy him chicago yep yep so i mean good for him like i, I don't know i'm always at the attitude that you know i don't want us to see us like lose out in any way but because we didn't here like I, I wish all these dudes well i want shane green to do well in atlanta um it's no skin off our teeth if uh if they do well where they go so hopefully they will play well and please their new fan bases while we sit here in, in tigerdom like whittling soap animals or, you know, sticks or whatever it is we're doing while we wait for this team to turn things around. Yeah. Hasn't gone so well for Shane Green on the on the flip side. Like, blew a save, like, had another rough outing, and I think that's all we've seen from him so far, so. Yeah, but, you know, of course, Bob Nightingale, being Bob Nightingale, was really, like, hyped about talking about how bad that trade went. And I'm like, my dude, it has been, you know four days like maybe let's calm down on calling the trade a total wash oh how bad it was for the braves yeah <laughs> yeah settle down over there uh yeah i think uh i think mr green will be fine he's just not a great reliever he's he's just a good one and that's okay it's it's what it is yeah speaking of, of another pitcher who is good but not great um although the attitudes around him have like varied wildly all throughout this season uh matt boyd of course got kind of shelled tonight um, I wasn't watching until I saw the home run. I like flipped it on like the past couple innings before he got knocked out of the game. Looked like he was all over the place. Uh, what was your uh, impression of Mr. Boyd's outing tonight? Yeah, his command wasn't there. It looked pretty, he looked pretty unsure, which is very unlike him this season. But you know, it happens to everybody. Everybody goes out there and sometimes has a bad night. And it, it's the best of the best go through it. So, I mean, I'm not worried about Matt Boyd. He just had a bad night. And so did the, the I don't even know 
who started this game for the Royals and I'm recapping, but he also had a terrible night. So, yeah, yeah, so we're having a bad night of pitching, which is leading to a very high scoring game. Um, We're five to seven right now in the bottom of the fourth. So, yeah, the Tigers have already gone to Matt Hall, who was just called up. Um, They've also called up John Schreiber, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Matt Hall, I I know like um, like I, for whatever reason I've talked to his mom a few times on Twitter just because she's a big fan and always paying attention. I know his family is like obviously like super hyped as are the Schreibers. Um, Matt Hall, I don't know how he's done so far. I haven't been watching. Has he been okay? He was okay. Yeah, he didn't make things any worse. Yeah, which is all you can really ask for a guy in his first outing with the Tigers. Yeah, so. exactly. Like yeah, I mean it's pretty hard to hurt something that's already this broken. So yeah. It's a good time to get the get the young guys up here. I think we've all been just begging all year for them to to turn to them a lot more. And Matt Hall's an interesting case, um, just to kind of bring up this this little tidbit for a minute, where the Tigers really do, at least over the past like two or three seasons, have finally kind of like recognized like some of the things that other teams have been ahead on in terms of looking for high spin rate guys in the draft or in trade, um, trying to take guys with like super high spin curveballs or sliders. Um, the, the guys who have super high spin fastballs for the most part are just hard to come by because people hang on to them forever. But um, that is something that they seem to have recognized. What they're still trying to figure out is how to get a guy who kind of has a mediocre fastball and a monster curveball to like somehow you know be able to be effective and use that curveball so much. Um, so Matt Hall will be an interesting kind of experiment to see how they do with that. Um, I've been kind of yelling at the Tigers all year because... They keep bringing up Ryan Carpenter, um, who, when they signed him, was was basically I think I build him as like kind of a kind of a lower tier Tyler Chatwood, like a dude who <laughs> you know doesn't doesn't throw as hard as Tyler Chatwood, but has like a super high spin curveball. And for whatever reason, the Tigers haven't had Ryan Carpenter throw his curveball very much, which I have yet to hear any kind of an explanation for. Um, so they know you know they've identified this. And it's just, you know, are all the gears in the Tigers operation working to where, like, when the scouts and the analysts tell them, hey, yeah, get this guy because of this reason, does that all get down to the coaching staff where they realize, like, oh, yeah, we should have this guy, you know, lean into his best stuff? Um, or is there still, you know, some disconnects there? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's that's something I wonder. But the Tigers also went out and claimed David McKay um, this week, who is another guy with a just a monster high spin curveball. I believe he had the sixth highest spin rate on his curveball in all of baseball this year. And um, so that, I mean, that's kind of nice. And he's got sort of a funky, like late arm swing, um, kind, it's not sidearm, but like low three quarters kind of motion. He's pretty funky looking. Um, so we'll see if the Tigers can kind of figure out what to do with him. Um, he had huge strikeout rates throughout the minor leagues. Um, and didn't pitch very much for the for the Mariners this year. I think they just called him up briefly um, for a couple weeks span, and he had one outing where he where he blew up. So his his numbers look terrible. But um, I don't know. That's kind of an interesting development to see that the Tigers are kind of like seemingly identifying a certain type of thing that they like um, and and trying to trying to build from it. We just haven't really seen any real good examples of them making that that kind of a pitcher work yet so keep an eye on mr hall mr mckay and i don't know i guess we'll probably end up seeing ryan carpenter again at some point i'm mostly just excited to see them try something a little bit different a little bit new um you know they're actually pulling guys up for the minors and giving them a chance now which is kind of a nice break for the season um so yeah I'm, i'm looking forward to it We've all kind of waited, yeah, like all year long for the um, the call-ups to kind of start happening. And we finally got like the first, I guess the first big one was um, Jake Rogers. Absolutely, um, Jake yeah. Rogers has been yeah. up here for, you know, three weeks now, I guess, just about. And, I mean, this is the guy we all kind of have pegged as the, the Tigers catcher of the future. Um, maybe not like their 110, 120 games per season catcher of the future. We'll just have to see how well he hits. But um, so far, um, Jake Rogers has done really, really well. So and far, then... he's exceeding my expectations. I mean, I, I always thought he'd be good defensively, but he's been really good offensively. So I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, it's all kind of transferred over. Um, I mean, he's sort of like an Alex Avila type hitter where he draws walks, but he swings and misses kind of a lot. But he also has a ton of power. So when he runs into one, he hits the crap out of the ball, hits a lot of fly balls. Um, and so far, yeah, he's kind of kind of carried that right over um, into the, the major league so far. So, yeah, that's been pretty good to see. Um, I really love watching him behind the plate. 
Um, he's he's just a just just a cat back there. Um, just seems to move around very well, just as expected. Like has just super soft hands, and these things are all real subtle. And I've already seen some people like, oh, I thought Jake Rogers was supposed to come up and fix all the the pitchers. <laughs> he will. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, he might eventually. I mean, you might have to give him a, a spring training to work with him. But of course, this is like an accretive sort of a skill where like he might steal you two extra strikes over the course of you know each start for the season and it might save you like one or two runs or something. So it's not the kind of thing that like I, you know, pops off the stat sheet in any, in any way, but, uh, but I, I am happy to see him back there. Um, yeah. And so it'll be fun to have him back there. I think, you know, you and I were both big advocates for the Tigers signing a veteran catcher because they were going into the season with kind of a non non prospect like Grayson Griner, John Hicks, who isn't a particularly good catcher and doesn't really hit either. And I think we've been proven right on that, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I feel very vindicated in my my opening season plea, um, even though, yeah, I, I wanted Matt Wieters, and I stand by that. I think they should have signed him to start the year. I mean, he, he hasn't had a terrible season and is playing still, so... Yeah, and he would have brought that, you know, just that little bit of experience. The experience, you know, to- the know-how with the young pitching staff, like... I don't know. I, I, I've talked until I'm blue in the face about how I don't care about the offense for for these guys. And yeah, both of the games I saw St. Louis play this year, both in St. Louis and in Cincinnati, he was the catcher. Um, so it means he's getting more reps than, than you know, Molina. Um, I actually don't know if Molina's injured or not, which he very well might be. I don't follow the NL as close as I should. Um, yeah, same here. Uh, I mean, he probably uh, is, is injured if Weeders has been playing a lot, but yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, Weeders has a two thirty four batting average, which isn't thrilling, but it's also not bad. Um, he's got more home runs than Miguel Cabrera. So oh, like, <laughs> what's his, what's his on base percentage? Uh, his OBP right now is 281. So, I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not thrilled with him, but also he's played in well, only 50 games, but that's I mean, you don't need more than that with a guy like a, a catcher, right? Like you could have him in the mix. I still think he would have been a good pickup. We've seen Martin Mald- Martin Maldonado get kind of bounced around all over the place. Um, Jonathan Lucroy is now with the Cubs. I mean, like these guys could have been picked up for a song in the off season. So yeah, <sighs> yeah didn't uh, didn't Martin Maldonado get traded for Tony Kemp? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think we yeah. would like Tony Kemp. Um, Tony Kemp would be a useful little player to have around. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get a free agent catcher who's who's really good very often. Like it just doesn't doesn't come to that. <laughs> But going in with with basically nothing, um, and knowing that you, they were probably going to take their time and you know give Jake Rogers half the season in Toledo to kind of get warmed up. Yeah, I mean, I just think it would have been a smart move, um, both for the pitchers and the pitching staff, as well as you know hopefully to give <clears throat> at least a little bit of produ- production to the offense um, while you waited for Rogers to come up. And yeah, just a little bit of veteran leadership. Um, you know, these aren't the larger the larger decisions that are really going to matter that much. But when you're making off season decisions, you know, you're just looking for small wins when you're not planning on spending much money. And when you look at what they spent on Jordy Mercer, who neither of us really wanted and what they've gotten back from him. I mean, the money would have just been much better invested in, in a catcher. And now here we are, you know, halfway through the season and we haven't seen Josh Harrison hardly at all. Jordy Mercer's barely played. And now because Tigers, they're going to let those two guys like play a whole bunch probably down the stretch because they're veterans. I even saw Chris McCoskey from the Detroit News say something today about, you know, like how this helps you sign veteran players because they see that, you know, they're going to get the playing time you promised them and all this kind of stuff. And I have yet to see one example in my life where it didn't just come down to, you know, money and you know, does, no, the, does the team have a chance to, you know, have a chance to play well and, and win? That's what that's people care about, you know? Nonsense. And every veteran player out there knows that they have to show it to get the play time. Like, they yeah. know if they're they a 36-year-old infielder that nothing is a given when you have, you know, six 22-year-olds vying for that position in the minor leagues. Like, any genuinely knowledgeable player knows that there's no guarantees on that field so like that's a stupid statement pardon me for saying it like i mean it really is like did you know why didn't we get jordy mercer for like one or two million then this year why weren't there people beating down the door going like wow they treated victor martinez great for like 
five years. So I'm just going to give the Tigers a huge deal. Go play there where I know I'll be happy and, and treated with respect. Like, no one, I mean, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. That's not how this works. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this is all, you know, kind of rehashing the past, but, you know, that's kind of what we're left to do here to a large extent. Um, yeah, I mean, if they just would have done that, we'd, we'd be in better shape, I think, and gone with a catcher. And now here we are with, like, well, I mean, Travis Demerit for the most part, is going to play outfield. But, you know, Nico Goodrum played a good shortstop, and now he's kind of getting bounced yep. around again. Um, they won't call Willie Castro up because uh, reasons, but also because, you know, they're, he's not going to get regular playing time this year. Yep. And, you know, yep. they want him to play full time. And, I mean, I, that perfectly makes sense. But the whole point of the whole reason for that is because you've got Jordy Mercer sitting in there blocking up the work. Yeah, well, the nice thing about Demerit is that he does have experience playing quite a few of the infield positions. So if they do kind of need to slot him in there, he's done second. He's done, I think he's done third. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying, but like he, he has that infield experience. So, I mean, there's no reason that they can't use him there going forward if need be. Yeah, a few Braves fans, um, and if people are, I mean, people probably are familiar, but if you kind of missed it, Travis Demerit was the second piece in the. Shane Green deal um, with the Atlanta Braves. Um, he wasn't really ranked anywhere on prospect lists anymore. Um, had had two seasons where he had kind of just been, you know, Rule 5 eligible, and they'd left him off their 40-man roster. So we could have just picked him up instead of Victor Reyes two seasons ago for free. Um, but he, mm-hmm. but he did have a really good season this year, which I guess kind of bumped some of his value back up. But, yeah, I talked to a Braves fan who told me that when Travis Merritt was, was younger, when he was, like, 20, 21... Um, everyone thought he was a brilliant infielder who just kind of had a tendency to make mental mistakes sometimes. And they all kind of thought he would work out really well in the infield, um, possibly even, you know, at shortstop or second base. And I don't know, it sounded like someone said to Travis Merritt actually didn't want to play infield anymore and was willing to move oh. to the outfield. Oh. So it was, the whole thing was kind of, um, kind of sketchy. Cause yeah, he seems like he has pretty good hands and he runs pretty well, uh, but he doesn't look terribly comfortable in the outfield. And we've already seen him kind of bone a player or two out there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm not real sure what to what to think of or what to expect from Travis Merritt, but he draws walks. He's fast. Uh, he has some power. He's sort of like Nico Goodrum in that way. Like, if this guy yep. could just put yep. it together, he's got kind of the general toolbox of a real player. So, we'll see. Maybe that'll work out. It's possible. Well, I mean, the team did turn Nico Goodrum into something, so... Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, we can say, yeah, he was one of the few guys to have, like, positive, like, WRC Plus last season. Yeah. Like, over 100, so, I mean, we can say something. He's better than average sometimes. Yeah, I think he is probably closing in on two war this this season, and he doesn't play every day, so, yeah. Definitely um, guys worth having, just more like kind of guys who on a good team will end up being like the utility type players. Um, not really any starters still. And I guess that's that's kind of kind of the drag, um, the, the way this year has gone, is that we still don't see, other than Rodgers, like any sure signs of a starter anywhere on, on the field, yeah. Um, yeah. which is kind of a bummer. Like you would have hoped someone would kind of take a step forward, um, that Kristen Stewart would kind of get the bat going um, to, to kind of take the edge off the fact that his defense isn't very good. But um, but yeah, it's, it just kind of feels like this entire year has just been spinning spinning wheels, and we're just now hopefully getting to the time where we'll we'll see a few interesting players hopefully uh, come up and and get a little bit of a look. Yeah, I'd like to see what happens in September. I'd like to see who guy who gets the call ups. So some interesting candidates. I mean, we already mentioned Willie Castro. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like Daz Cameron has done enough this season. And it also feels like the Tigers are, are like, I don't know. I don't know exactly going on, but it just feels like the Tigers are a little, a little grumpy with Daz Cameron um, one way or the other. Like they were batting him at the bottom of the order for a long time and limiting his, his plate appearances for some reason. I don't, I don't really, we never really heard any, um, any details on what was going on there, but they did the same thing to, Jake Rogers for quite a while. Like the two of them were hitting eighth and ninth and getting the least amount of playing time. Um, so yeah, I don't really know what was going on. If there was some plan for that, I have no idea. Or if it was just as the Tigers tend to do throughout their farm system, they're dedicated on winning games more so sometimes than developing players in the optimal way, which, you know, that's the Tiger way, I guess. Um, I don't know. They might be right. I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe they're right. And it, and it does give the players something to, you know, be winning games and like having a chance to go to the minor league postseason and stuff. But 
I don't know. I find it hard. I find it hard to believe in uh, in any of that, especially you know some of these guys like Alex Fajardo pitched in the College World Series and like pitched two huge games. Like it's hard for me to imagine the the Eastern League postseason is quite going to match up to that um, in terms of atmosphere. I don't know, but whatever. We'll just see. We'll see how it goes there. Um, but the other one um, who we did get called up, who I don't know, we may see later on in this game is John Schreiber. Yep. Um, and that's a guy, yeah, like ever since um, he was in West Michigan a couple seasons back, people have been um, been really kind of enamored with, with John Schreiber. Like, I don't think anyone's ever kind of come out, anyone particularly credible anyway, and, and acted like he was going to be a, you know, some kind of a dominant reliever. But he does have like kind of some interesting traits to him. He, he throws from a really low angle, almost a sidearm angle. Um, yeah, sidearm, but not, and I love me a sidearmer, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yep, and of course he's also a local boy um, from from the Wyandotte area. Um, so yeah, he's got some local local flavor there. Um, you know, friends of the site Emily Walden and Mister Hookslide um, have both been big fans of his ever since he came up. Um, Keenan Carter, who wrote for us a whole bunch um, on prospect stuff, and now is running the Tigers Minor League Report site, which you should all check out. Um, was also <laughs> a, a big big fan of Schreiber and had interviewed him a couple times. Um, great personality. Um, 92, 93 mile per hour fastball, um, pretty hard to hit for right-handers. He's got that, that Darren O'Day vibe where he's got a pretty solid slider that isn't really like a plus pitch or anything, but is, but especially to right-handers from that angle seems really hard to hit. And it's just a question of whether or not he can figure out a way to, to deal with left-handers. Um, because we just don't really see too many specialists, uh, Right, I guess it's better to be a right-handed specialist than a left-handed specialist, but yeah, you just don't see that many guys um, that, that kind of work exclusively in a role like that anymore. I do wonder if that might change next year when they add the extra roster spot. Maybe we'll actually see a little bit more specialization kind of coming back in. That'd be nice. Yeah. Although I don't know, like I get, I get mixed on that, right? Like I hate the idea of you're a seventh inning guy, you're an eighth inning guy. Like I feel like there is room to play with that, but also you're right. I would like to see guys. The, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want, Brandon. No, I know. Like, what you mean, it's like it's like a usage versus like style kind of thing. Like there might yeah. be guys who are better styled to face certain hitters, but in terms of usage, we don't really want to see the regimented. You know, you're this in. Yeah, you're this I don't want in. guys just assigned for like I, 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 and also next season we're losing the loogie. As far as I, I'm, I'm not making that up. I don't think it's next next year they're phasing it out, um, where you'll no longer be able. To, I think it's going to be like a three batter minimum, or yeah. for for all relievers. So your lefty specialists are going to have to become a little bit more, you know, diverse. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting too, because I think that's going to change the way that we look at bullpens. And you're going to need guys that aren't just, you know, lefty specialists that can do a bit more and can go a bit longer. And I think that's going to be a little bit interesting. Yeah, I think there are some teams that that's going to going to affect. Although I think a lot of teams have also kind of kind of gone away from that in recent years, just as more teams, not so much the Tigers, but other teams have been a little bit more flexible and creative in how they, they use their bullpens and their pitching staffs in general. It kind of feels like more and more. Um, having a guy on hand to just get this one batter um, has kind of become a thing of a pa- of the past. It's sort of more of a '90s aughts sort of a sort of a thing that you don't see too much anymore. So I don't know if it'll affect that many teams. Uh, but yeah, you definitely can't just get one side or the other out. Like as far as like a Lugie goes, now you need someone more like Blaine Hardy who can kind of do both things and mm-hmm. be versatile and even spot start for you. Um, yeah, so guys like that. So. Yeah, we'll see what Mr. Schreiber can do, um, but I am glad to have him up. I'm glad to have everyone young up. <laughs> like, give give us all the young people, please. All the young people we can get our, our little hands on. Um, and we've been talking a lot at the site, you know, because once the deadline goes down, it's sort of like, what do we do now? Other than writing about the farm system and the prospects where I could go on and on all night talking about the Tigers. It's like, can we can we just see some, some interesting guys um, come up? Um, because there just hasn't been that much to watch this year. But I guess there is one one guy in particular. Um, I was saying earlier we haven't really found anybody who had developed himself into a full-time player. One guy who I think finally is on the cusp of that, uh, and of course took a pitch off the wrist tonight and um, didn't break any bones, fortunately, but is now out of the game, is Mr. Just Jacoby Jones. Intusion, thank God. Yeah. Um, which is a, it's a fancy bruise, in case you're not sure i, yeah, I so love they that they, they, yeah, they i love that they gotta get fancy and they're gonna call it a contusion but it is just a bruise um 
so yeah, thankfully the x-rays are all negative, but yeah, Jacoby's been, I mean, not consistent, but fun. Yeah. Um, he, he makes me look forward to the future a little bit. Like he has definitely gotten a lot better with his plate discipline. I'll give him that like a hundred percent over. Yeah. Um, he, he's doing real good things in center field, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, I don't know. He's, he is very exciting for the future. Yeah, I mean, I think that the trick with Jacoby is that, I mean, he is 27 now, so, like, hopefully the Tigers can get their act together before he's, like, 31, 32, and maybe starting to lose a step. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's really, I think this year, you know, we're kind of at the point, and I'm, and I'm skeptical, because we've, you know, I mean, he is 27 already, you don't see very many guys, like, really get good at that point, but, I mean, he's made really tangible improvements, um, got to give a shout out to Jules Posner, um, who writes for Forbes um, and, and, I, and writes about the San Francisco Giants and the Tigers for them, um, as well as some other baseball related content. But he actually wrote a piece not too long ago, kind of identifying that, you know, Jacoby Jones since May 1st has actually been a, a pretty good hitter. Um, and we know Jacoby Jones started the season with a shoulder injury. So you can basically, you know, kind of wipe what he did in April off the map. Um, and it was brutal in April. You certainly wouldn't have thought like, oh, here's the guy who's suddenly figured out um, what to do at the plate, but they lowered his hands. Um, they got him taking a little bit more direct line to the baseball, um, staying a little bit more closed um, so he isn't flying open as much, um, which maybe is giving him a little better look at the baseball because, yeah, since that point, he's got a 9.1% walk rate, which is well above league average. Um, he's still striking out a decent amount, but 26.9% isn't that much more than league average. And the big thing is that um, whatever they've done to him, he's found his power. Um, he's got a 220 ISO since that point and overall a 108 WRC plus. So he's been 8% wow. better than a league average hitter, which isn't mind blowing. But when you have a defensive, you know, kind of genius out there, um, all you really need is for them to be in a roughly average hitter. Like if we, if Jake Rogers could hit, you know, to a 90 WRC plus, I think we'd all be pretty content with that. Hopefully oh, there's, yeah. hopefully there's more. But, uh, but we'll see. Um, nobody really is, is projecting that for him yet. Kind of have to see how it goes for Mr. Mister Rogers. But yeah, Jacoby Jones seems like um, seems like kind of a new cat. And, you know, he had some defensive struggles this year. But I think anybody who's watching him, you know, the eye test tells you he's still, still one of the better defensive center fielders out there. And, you know, he's got a lot of ground to cover in Comerica Park and does it well. So, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of the big success story, I guess, as far as position players go this year. Yeah, I think that's legit, and uh, thankfully he's not hurt, because otherwise that would just feel tragic, so... Yeah, yeah, so he's definitely a guy to keep our eye on, I think, you know, over the final seven or eight weeks here, just to see if he can kind of carry this performance forward. Um, you know, we are talking about 275 plate appearances, so it's still still in semi-small sample size territory to see if he can kind of keep it going, but yeah, 10 home runs um, in 275 plate appearances translates to like a... 23-24 home run season um, if you get the 650 plate appearances that usually is kind of roughly a, a full full season although less guys are playing 160 games as, as much as they used to maybe but yeah I think the you know the if I look at his stats here the one thing that's kind of a drag is that he's only got six steals I wonder um, I wonder if they've kind of told him to tone it back a little bit on the base pass because um, he seems capable of much more than that but yeah it could be and he's also a guy who's kind of like not, maybe not necessarily like the best acceleration. He's fast once he gets going and gets the long stride going. But yeah, maybe he just doesn't have the, the quickness um, or the, the kind of the ability to maybe, maybe to read hitters um, or read pitchers, excuse me. So yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a little, little just quibble, I guess. But yeah, we would like to see him uh, snatching a few more bases out there and kind of running wild the way we're um, used to seeing Jacoby Jones run wild. But there we go. At least we have kind of a fan favorite guy who's actually um, having a, a reasonably good season. Let him run. Yep, yep. Let the kid run. Um, we we're going to talk about a little bit of a a kerfuffle that went on. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we call it? I mean, if we're going to use baseball terms. Oh, no. I just accidentally unplugged my hard drive. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I don't know, man. Like, what is the the Twitter version of a Donnybrook, right? Like, yeah. it, like just a, a war of the 140 characters, or I guess they're 280 now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was certainly something. It kind of mostly took place um, over the weekend on Sunday and Monday. Um, on Sunday, the uh, Detroit Free Press published an article 
um, by Tigers beat writer Anthony Fennec um, regarding rumors that had circulated about the Michael Fulmer trade that never took place in the 2017 offseason. If yep. I'm not, yeah. Yep. And, and basically the article indicated, and most people have read it by now, it's made the rounds, people have, you know, taken their opinions on it and and done whatever, but it said that there were sources that it indicated that the Tigers were offered not together, but separately, <laughs> Javier Baez and, um, and oh God, Bregman, what is it? What is Alex Bregman's person? There we go. Um, <laughs> and Alex Bregman from the Astros. Um, now, I don't think that this is quite as insane as people suggest, because I do remember hearing Baez's name get floated in that offseason as yep. being a potential. I don't remember hearing about Bregman at the time, but this is also prior to Bregman having his insane 2017 um, kind of breakout season where he just went bonkers, where the World Series win happened for the Astros, where they you know signed an extension to him just this past season. Yep. So, like, I don't, I don't think this is this is just preemptive to the entire kerfuffle that we're going to talk about but like i don't think that either of these suggestions are as insane as the internet made it seem like they were like yeah you do have to remember that at that point like javi bias was still like a defensive genius who hadn't really figured it out at the plate and was still a below average hitter um everybody thought alex bregman was going to be really good but you know there were still questions about you know what kind of power um, he was going to be able to produce. He's he's kind of shut down a lot of those concerns. Um, and the Croft, honestly, the Crawford boxes in um, in Minute Maid Park in Houston have helped him out there because he, you know, he's a very very good hitter. And I don't really know what his raw power grade would be, but it's hard to believe it's better than like a sixty, which is just regular plus. And I don't even know if it's that much. But what he is capable of is picking the right pitches, turning on them, and and smoking them out into those um those short seats. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think neither one of those is is unreasonable as the the primary piece. Um, but I do think you know people have to remember that if if we'd been offered one of those guys straight up um, for Michael Former, I I don't know, maybe other people would have been like, yeah, we should do that. But I would have been like, no way, like you got to come with a lot more than one good guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is coming off his rookie of the year season. Like, this is when his value was at its absolute highest. And yes, of course, in hindsight, that kind of deal looks insane. Um, what did Castro just do to himself? Sorry, he just ran to do a catch and he was limping a little bit afterwards, so I hope he's okay. Um, seems like he's walking it off. He just gave a thumbs up to the dugout. Sorry. <laughs> like we don't need anybody else injured. Back off, um, Teeter. I'm fine. I got it. Yeah, he just ran into the wall a little bit too, too much. Bounced off the netting a bit, but he's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just the thing, right? Fulmer was at his absolute peak value. There was no way to know two years later he'd be getting Tommy John and would be out for a whole season. And, like, there's just, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So for us to say that's ludicrous, if they'd been offered that, they would have taken it in a heartbeat. You can't know that because a one for one deal at that point probably would have had us like putting Alavila's head on a pike. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah, like, I mean, it don't, you know, it's those. I think at that point, like he would have still had a full five years of control that you would have been getting. Not only would the team who who traded for him have gotten the rest of 2017, but they would have had him through 2023, I believe. Um, and it's just really hard to get value for a good pitcher when you're giving them five cheap years of control, like. Alex Bregman is not enough for that. Um, and yeah, you know, Michael Fulmer has had some injury issues over the years. Um, and so I know some people have always thought like, no, just get rid of him as fast as you can because he might get hurt again. But, you know, pitchers get hurt all the time. And I would like to remind people that Michael Fulmer, you know, didn't, you know, just disapparate to use a Harry Potter term. Um, <laughs> you know, he's going to be back. You know, I don't know if he's going to, you know, be back to old flamethrowing Michael Former self who can who can pitch a lot of innings again or whether or not, you know, the knee is actually going to kind of hold him back from that and he might have to convert to relief, but he's not gone. And so when people act like we got nothing now, we still have Michael Former. So, and we still have him for quite a few more years. So, yeah, I don't think we need to panic um, about that. But, yeah, I mean, the article, I don't know, you know, it kind of went back and forth. Like, I'm... You know, it would kind of bring up, you know, okay, they could have done this, and and supposedly I heard they were offered this, and they didn't do it. They, you know, Anthony Fennett criticized Vila for not being able to get the kind of prospect returns that we need. Um, but he's all, but he also made the the point all along as he went that you know it takes two to tango. That you know the other GM you know could have offered more, or other GMs around the game could have you know beat this deal, and they didn't. So you have to kind of pin, you know, you can only pin 
a bad deal or a non-deal on both sides and not just one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the other part of it is just that, as he said, the market has just seemingly changed to a degree where you're just not going to get anybody's top prospects. Um, You know, you're not going to get, you know, for Chris Sale, the way they got Michael Kopech and Yohan Mankata from the Red Sox, who were both, I think, top 15 prospects in baseball. Like, you just don't see that kind of deal much anymore. And obviously, Matt Boyd isn't worth that much. And, and even Michael Fulmer at that point maybe wasn't wasn't worth that much. But um, but nobody's really getting even close to that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can blame them kind of as much as you want either way. But, mm, you know, whether or not they should have been able to anticipate all that, I think, is, is a little bit sketchy. But, okay, continue with the with the kerfuffle portion. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, aside from the general... Twitter kind of reaction to this post, which is people kind of debating and believing it and whatever. Um, I personally have no reason to dispute anything Anthony has said and no reason to believe he would say anything that he didn't have backing for. Um, and especially considering that the Detroit free press would not have published anything that he couldn't provide some kind of um, sourcing for. Um, so if in that sense, I choose to believe it Um because I have no reason to doubt Anthony at all. Um, but what happened as a result uh, is the drama you might expect from a story that that kind of big. Yeah. Um, even if it is two, three years in the past, um, what we saw from it was, you know, an implication from fellow beat reporter Chris McCoskey that perhaps the story was not true um, or that fact were not, uh, you know, to the way that they were presented. Um, he didn't outright call him a liar or say anything like that, but he he didn't he did generally insinuate that things were not what they 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 were reported as. Um, and this, of course, all took place uh, in a Twitter thread where you yeah, know yeah. people were arguing with Anthony back and forth, and then Chris McCoskey dropped in and basically said that he had talked to um, Tiger's assistant manager um, or assistant general manager. David Chad, and he had told him that those rumors weren't true. <laughs> yes. I, bl- I believe actually that was what Chris said to Anthony in person or something oh, along maybe. those. I, I'm not sure. But he so might have said it point, in person, but I know he said it on Twitter as yeah, well. Yeah, at some point it was definitely dropped that apparently David Chad um, said that the report was untrue. And pardon me for saying it, but I frankly take David Chad's word on things um, with less value than I take um, Anthony Fenix because David Chad's also the guy that vetted what a good dude Derek Norris was. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I am rehashing that because I think it was a dumb move that rather than look into any kind of the investigation, it was just, Oh, I knew him. He's a good kid. Yeah. So, and more, and even more, you know, beyond that, it's just, you know, David Chad has every reason to, you know, to Life. kind of yeah yeah you know or at least to just paint it you know the way the team wants it painted i mean you know you can look at yeah. that either way too but uh yeah you know when the, the team obviously wants to come out and paint this in the best light and yeah. you know david chad happens to make you know just to mention that one thing doesn't go into any detail um yeah so as a result i think it might have struck a nerve for Anthony that this was all happening um, <laughs> because then he kind of went on a tirade where he pointed out stuff like, uh, would you like me to mention the other trade scoops that Chris McCoskey missed or the other times <laughs> that Chris McCoskey is like messed up or like all this other stuff that McCoskey didn't know. And it was quite the, um, the raking over the coals of a fellow professional. And, um, it resulted, I think, in, in Anthony going quiet for about a day afterwards. <laughs> we were all like, oh, God, yeah. um, what's happened here? Like, I don't think he was going to get fired for something like that. But, like, what happened? Um, and yesterday he was back posting pictures of donuts in the press box. And it seems to me that all has been forgiven. Um, but for her, for a day or two it was some very interesting drama in tiger's twitter land um all because of an article that you know voiced what might have happened two or three years ago yeah and uh, you know i just i imagine like evan woodbury and cody from uh, the athletic like oh sitting god back with their popcorn, back like sitting there going uh guys am i gonna have to sit in between you yeah for sure um yeah and i don't know i guess my my reaction to the whole thing was was more just you know i mean 
the two beat writers duking it out. I don't really care that much about it. Was it was interesting to watch for sure. Um, and as far as the deals go, like you know, they could both be right. Like David Chad could be telling the truth, and Anthony's source could be telling what he thought, what he heard, and what he saw happen. And yep, both yep. could be telling the truth, and no one could actually know. So you know, for a fact, um, that's what they say, isn't it? That there's three sides to every story: yours, mine, and the truth. Yeah. Anybody who's watched Rashomon, you know, should be able to identify those those three parts to any uh, any story. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that was I don't know the whole thing was kind of fascinating, but I guess what it what it just highlighted to me is just how hard it is to accurately go back even like two years and and really, you know, honestly evaluate what some news like that would have meant at the time. Like it's just it's just very difficult to go to project into the past and say like oh well if they would have offered this yeah you know Alex Bregman for Michael Fulmer would have been great um, you know when at that point. Michael Fulmer wasn't injured and still looked really good. And Alex Bregman wasn't Alex Bregman yet. Um, you know, everybody likes to, likes to be able to say that, yeah, you know, I saw the injury come in and I knew this and blah, blah, blah. But um, that's all, you know, just, just the kind of BS people talk for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. In the end, I just think that Anthony wrote a pretty bold and, and gutsy piece in the way that people always say that they want the beat writers to go after the team and press them on things. Uh, but then whenever they do, then, you know, all the Stockholm syndrome type fans come out who, you know, just literally will argue you to death that anything in Alavila could possibly be doing is bad or wrong. Um, you know, just, just the kind of people who just love to, you know, basically it's just kind of this general appeal to authority kind of attitude. Like, you know, you don't know, and we're just going to trust the Tigers because, those are our guys and we're stuck with them essentially becomes the kind of circular logic that, that comes into it. Um, I have yet to see any real, you know, comprehensively strong defense of Alavila and his, his staff ever from anyone. Um, I have seen some, some really bad takedowns of them for sure that were unreasonably harsh and inaccurate and blah, blah, blah. But you know, it's pretty hard to say that Alavila has done a good job so far. Um, And if you, if you believe that that's fine. Um, but I just hear from too many people who I watched criticize like every move Alavila made for three years, and now because the farm system is reasonably reasonably on pace to be good at some point, um, which I would point out is only the first step in building a championship team. <laughs> um, we're still a long way away, and they've taken their sweet time just to get to here. Um, but you know, because things have gone that far, people just don't want to shake the boat and just want to believe everything. Um, you know is has changed and they figured everything out and now they're smarter than other teams and have it all going on. Um, you know, you can't really argue, argue with people that way. I guess what it, what it all comes down to is that we're all going to have to look forward and we all know that the Tigers need bats, which was kind of Anthony's like main point is that they haven't been able to get those bats. Tigers don't have enough bats in the farm system. They've got a lot of pitching. Um, they've got more pitching than anybody probably at this point. Um, but you know, you, you can't uh, you can't win with just one half of the game. I'd love to just pitch everyone into oblivion, but uh, I don't expect that we're just going to be able to put out like nine amazing defenders who can't hit and and produce some kind of a Royals type 2015 outcome uh, anytime <laughs> soon. I don't know. I, I think that might be actually a reasonable strategy to kind of pursue in the interim is just to put like, you know, you just put Derek Hill, Daz Cameron, Jacoby Jones, Victor Reyes all in the outfield next year. Sign a first baseman and a catcher who can hit and, you know, just kind of take your chances, you know, playing really good defense, uh, trying to limit extra base hits as much as possible. Whether or not you give up some singles through the infield maybe isn't such a big concern as long as you can limit the limit the damage there. Um, I don't know. That might be part of the strategy going forward, which we'll end up talking about a lot this offseason. But yeah, right now I do think, you know, we need to look forward rather than back because we're all stuck here together and yeah. Alabila has an extension now. Chris Illich, for whatever Chris Illich reasons, appears content with how things are going. And, you know, the Tigers really are just a couple big moves away. Like, that, that's kind of what it comes down to. Like, things have gone okay, but those big moves that they've needed to hit on just haven't happened yet. And if they happen to come around in the next year... Um, you know, things could change real fast. So I don't know. I guess I've just been looking at it like I'm giving them this off season, next draft and next trade deadline. And then we'll probably reevaluate at that point and, and see how things are going then. Um, but you know, we're fans, we're held hostage. So whatever happens, it won't be up to us. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know it's like we get Stockholm syndrome to the core, right? Except we know we don't love. We we're just in it. We're yeah. just like we can't leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More of just like a a calm like. Well, maybe not even calm, but just acceptance of the situation rather than an embracing of the situation, you know, as Stockholm Syndrome would uh, would imply. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all that's been going on. Um, the Tigers released Trevor Rosenthal after another kind of insane-looking outing where he was all over the place and couldn't find the strike zone. Um, and that made me sad because I would have liked to have just hung on to him and, and made it work. It's not like we don't have, like, you know, seven or eight other terrible pitchers that we've been just using off and on all season. I kind of would have been all right uh, betting on the the upside there, but if he isn't get, going to get it together and if the Tigers were unable to get him, you know, signed for some kind of reasonable amount through next season, I guess there's, there's really no point. And as it happens, um, former Royals closer and Arizona Diamondbacks closer, Greg Holland was just released by the Diamondbacks after kind of blowing up for mm-hmm. a month straight. So maybe we could just, you know, pick up another formerly dominant veteran reliever and then try him instead. I feel like I wrote an article about how the Tigers should pick up Greg Holland two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked to have had Greg Holland two years ago because he actually did come back from surgery and, and was pretty good for, you know, for about a year. Um, but yeah, it's kind of slipped away from him this season, apparently. So, you know, so that that's just how that goes. Um, the Tigers do have plenty of arms to call it, but it, it continues to look like they're really just not going to promote anyone anymore and just leave everyone at Erie at Erie um, and try to finish out the season there. Maybe when that season is over, um, if anybody has any innings left, they'll uh, maybe they'll consider giving someone a look in the major leagues because we've also heard that they don't want to push Daniel Norris, you know, too many innings this year, um, still coming back from surgery. Hadn't thrown that many innings either the last two seasons. Um, Spencer Turnbull, kind of the same situation, although the injuries have kind of probably balanced that out to where, you know, I don't think the workload is going to end up being too much for him. But, um, but yeah, there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot else that we're going to get. Um, hopefully we'll see Willie Castro or Daz or something, and, and that's about all there is. Yeah, Willie Castro is the only one that I was like, I mean, had we not had Jake Rogers come up, I would have been very hyped to see him. Um, but yeah, Willie Castro is pretty high up on my list. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in September. Yeah. Yeah. He's another guy who like, I just, you know, I don't know if he can, if he can really be a full-time player, but, um, I just, I just want to see young guys. I just want to see guys who are young, who have bat speed and energy, um, playing and not guys who really don't have, have a place anywhere anymore. So yeah. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully there'll be a few more to watch. Um, Trying to think if there's a whole lot else going on. The only other thing I kind of wanted to mention was just some of the minor league news. Um, I don't know. I probably will do another minor league podcast maybe this weekend and kind of go into some detail on some of these people. Um, but there has been a bunch of moves. Um, Riley Green, the Tigers' um, first-round pick from the 2019 draft, has been promoted from the Connecticut Tigers in short-season A-ball to the West Michigan Whitecaps, um, which is pretty cool because a lot of uh, Whitecaps fans are Bless You Boys readers, and they're all going to get to watch Riley Green. Um, I would imagine the Whitecaps sold a lot of tickets tonight to see him down there. Yeah, uh, they're currently losing, but... (laughs) Yeah. Well, overall, we step into four. It's fine. Yeah, overall, the Whitecaps are not very good, Um, and especially like in the pitching department. There's a couple guys there who are kind of interesting, but in general, that team has not looked terribly good. Nor have the Lakeland Flying Tigers, which continues to scare me that the you know the the lower half of the minors in A ball still doesn't look like it has very much talent. Um, And once the Tigers promote the guys that they traded and their top draft picks recently, like I don't don't know, we're just gonna have to see what's left. Hopefully. uh, Hopefully some of the international free agent guys who are in the Gulf Coast League and the Connecticut Tigers can kind of make a little bit of a push. Um, we do have Riley Green, got Parker Meadows down there, uh, Bryant Packard, Cooper Johnson. Um, some of the guys who came out of the draft are, are producing down there. And, you know, if anybody down there can kind of take a step forward, um, those circumstances might change. But, yeah, it hasn't been a real compelling watch down there um, compared to the upper minors this year. So, Hopefully they've got a few more guys coming. Um, we had Ray Rivera, who was suspended for 80 games for Trembolene, um, which is a performance-enhancing han- drug. Um, people will remember Ray Rivera was the Tigers' second-round pick in 2017, when all the other teams apparently had him going like as a fifth-rounder. The Tigers really, really liked him, um, made kind of a fuss about how they'd seen his trackman data and his exit velocity data, 
and really, really reach for him. And unfortunately, so far, that move has absolutely fallen on its face. So he was released. Um, Nick Quintana, the second round pick this year, um, ended up getting demoted from West Michigan to Connecticut. Um, because he's just kind of been a mess, unfortunately, so far. Um, it's very but his early. beautiful hair. He does have beautiful hair, and sometimes guys just don't transition that well. I mean, you have no idea what's going on, like with with shifting his life around and all that. So hopefully, there he's just you know just more mental than anything. Because um, I really I like the pick. I didn't have didn't have any problem with us picking Nick Quintana, and uh, look forward to seeing him getting it together. But so far, yeah, it's been kind of a rough rough go for him. Excuse me. And then the big story is that uh, Tariq Skubal just continues to fucking dominate everyone like a fucking boss. Um, yeah, they even talked about him on the broadcast today. Like, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, if you go to Fangraphs and go into their, like, player search bar and click in there, he's, I believe, second in the minor leagues in terms of search uh, today. So, I mean, he's just leaping up everybody's, dra- um, like, ranking, prospect ranking boards. Um, struck out another 10 last night, only allowed one hit. Um, that's almost become a commonplace episode. I think he only has six starts with the Erie Seawolves. He got blown up in one of them for five runs, and otherwise has just been unhittable. Um, double-digit strikeouts in every game, just blowing fastballs by people, um, throwing a nice breaking ball, really pretty pretty good command, and a guy that really does look like the Tigers um, just, just landed a huge steal there, which is great because they really need to do that. <laughs> Yeah, we need those guys that pan out to be lucky, lucky picks. Yeah, yep, because the good teams seem to get those guys, like, you know, almost, like, on a yearly basis. Like, you watch the Dodgers bring up guys that they drafted in the second, third, fourth, fifth round just about every year. Somebody turns out to be a good player for them. The Astros have done a lot of that, although they've also traded some of those guys away. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the key, is that not only do you have to be good in the first round, but you've got to keep finding talent later on, so... Tark Skubal's a good sign. He's also an interesting pitcher because he, he has a really high arm slot and he's a lefty. So he kind of throws this, like, Chris Brown actually, I think, nailed it the other day when he referred to it as the invisible. And he didn't invent the term invisible, but that's kind of a term that goes back to, like, um, all the way to Sandy Koufax, which is sort of that high spin, like, really straight, true four-seam spin from a high arm slot from a left-hander that just seems to to be really hard to pick up for hitters because you don't see the arm or the ball until really late in his delivery. Um, and man, I mean, he's just, just throwing it by people. Um, and he can hit 97, but he's usually sitting in there like 92, 94, maybe 95. Um, and it just seems unhittable. So it's going to be really fun to watch him develop um, because he's a college pitcher and is, I believe, 22 now. He's probably closer to the major leagues than anybody but Casey Mize, um, the way he's come on. So, I don't know. Like going into next season, I think Tarek Skubal might be the second most interesting guy to expect to see a call-up for um, maybe not too far into the season. I, I'm sure they would like to, to slow play him, but um, he's a guy that might just force their hand because just no one can hit him. And mm, once a guy is pitching this well, you know, people talk about gaming service time and all that, but if he's pitching that well, he needs to pitch in the major leagues. It's just mm-hmm. way it is. From a development standpoint and from a don't waste a guy's best bullets, um, you know, in the minor leagues and then call him up when it was convenient for you and have him get hurt. Any of that nonsense. Like, if they're ready... Yeah, the arm's not going to get younger. younger. Mm -hmm. It's the same point we made with uh, Jake Rogers' defense. Like, you know, Jake Rogers' best tool is his defense. That's the tool that kind of can tend to age kind of badly for catchers um, because of the wear and tear. So start using it. Like, put it to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's not he's not a young guy by, you know, prospect standards. So, uh, yeah, it was just smart of them to bring him up now. Yeah. Yeah. Rogers was totally ready to go. Um, probably was ready to go like mm, a month or two ago, but that's OK. <laughs> <laughs> we'll kind of like this scene if he might have been able to help uh, help things out as far as keeping Boyd uh, under under a little better handle um as he was kind of struggling in june and july but um you know matt boyd's a big boy and probably if he has any problems it probably doesn't have that much to do with the catcher but so that's about it i think yeah caught you up i think that summarizes it and then i speaking of summarizing we'll have to recap the rest of this game so Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah we'll try to Put out some kind of a minor league podcast this weekend. Um, talk about some of the 
the pitchers in particular. Um, there's been some interesting stuff I've been reading. I've been reading the MVP machine, just slowly picking my way through it. Um, if people aren't familiar, that's Travis Sawchuk and Ben Lindbergh of the Ringers, oh. um, new book about player development and sort of like, it talks a lot about like Trevor Bauer and kind of the revolution in pitcher training talks a lot about like the launch angle hitter guys. Um, but it also has been fascinating because it goes back and, and talks about like innovations in player development, um, going back like a hundred years, like the development. Oh, that's of fascinating. The, yeah. I think you would love it. Um, it's very readable. I've been just kind of reading like chunks here and there. Um, uh, but there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff, um, that, you know, has kind of been talked about like the launch angle swing and some of these things that, they they articulate really in more detail with like how Justin Turner actually trained to become a whole new hitter um, and a whole bunch of other examples. Um, it's a great book. Everybody should read it. Yeah, I think but I remember them announcing it was coming and I was supposed to pre-order it and then forgot. So now I will see if my library has it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my library doesn't have it. Um, despite my complaining about this repeatedly, but <laughs> that's all right. This <laughs> is one of those books where I'll just go. pretty good, but... but... Yeah, I mean, ours usually is as well. But yeah, I mean, that's the kind of book where I'm like, uh, I'll go buy the book because these guys need the money. And uh, I try to support Barnes & Noble where I get the chance and not buy books from Amazon um, I if I can help it. So I would like to point out that taking books out from the library also helps authors. It does. Um, because it, you know, means that those libraries are more likely to pick up copies. Those copies are paid for. Sorry, I go on a library rant. Um, you are a librarian. You know this. Yep, yep. <laughs> Not everybody so, does this, but especially like the bigger libraries and like district, you know, county library setups will sometimes even track that information and send it to publishers um, so that, yeah, you know, that, that author, if they write the next thing, will be on their hot list as, you know, a book that gets circulated everywhere without going too much into how libraries work. Like you have deals with distributors and they send you like their hot titles like every month, you know, like the, the, these are the ones we expect to be the big ones and you get them maybe two weeks after they go on sale um, and they track all that data. So it's still good. I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody that they have to buy them, but my God, support your local bookstores if you get a chance or any bookstore. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah do indie bookstores, if you can, they'll special order things for you. But otherwise, it is A-OK to go to a library. Plus libraries. Yes. I love them. Yes. Absolutely. Please go to libraries. Um, this is just a book I'm absolutely certain I will end up like referring back to and rereading. So. Yeah, I'll probably end up buying it because I do have an entire shelf that's just baseball books. So... Oh yeah, right on. Yeah, it definitely definitely belongs in there. Plus all the Trevor Bauer content your heart could desire. So okay, yeah, your Molina is definitely not injured. By the way, he's maybe not. Maybe he's. I don't know what's happening anymore. Sorry, I don't know. Look yeah, at Landing just right. posted a video of him, but he might be in the minors. So I don't actually I, know what's happening. If there's no divisions in baseball, I pay less attention to during the season than the NL Central and the NL East. Um, just because there's not enough time to really pay that much attention to anybody other than their good players and what they're doing. So that's fair. I'm not real sure what's going on with the Cardinals either, to be honest. Somebody can comment and tell me what happened to Yaddy or Molina. I would much appreciate it because I could Google it, but I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. That's right. You've got to write a recap. Um, have to write a re- I have to watch the Tigers blow this game. Are they leading right now? Uh, they are not because there was another home run hit by Alex Gordon uh, okay. that took gave the uh, Royals the lead again. So that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a YouTube video um, coming out this week? Yeah, I had two already this week. I did one on walk-up music and one on farm systems. Um, uh, so that just came out today. Uh, today being Thursday that we recorded this. And on Saturday, I have one coming up about um, bean balls. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good topic. Than, yeah, so so that's Miranda. where we're at. And I have okay. no idea what's coming next week because I haven't even looked at what I have ready to go. But you do have a stockpile. I have quite a few that I filmed before my trip. So, and then I'm going to, I definitely am filming one this weekend on September call-ups to release before the end of the month. So that'll be coming in the next couple weeks. Okay, sounds good. Um, as for me, I'm going to try to write some picture analysis this week because we haven't done nearly as much as we should with all that um so i'm gonna look at a couple different guys there um and try to put a minor league podcast together um sometime this weekend so you can look for all that um probably coming over the weekend and into monday 
Um, and hopefully we will get back to, we're still debating what the hell we're doing with our prospect list because so much changed right after we put it out. And we're trying to decide if we're going to re-rank people and keep going with the prospect reports or just kind of leave it as is. I don't know. But in one way or the other, the prospect reports will start cranking out again as well. So you can look for all that stuff at blessyouboys.com. Um, follow Ashley on Twitter at 90 feet from home. Follow me, Brandon at Piscadoro 74, and we will see you all next week. Ashley, have a good night. You too, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye.